we come together. Um, I know kids are with us. Kids can be kids. They don't have to be quiet in the next 30 minutes. They can run around if needed. Um, if they get a little if they get a little too bored or restless, they can grab a ball and go play out in the field here in a, in a little bit. But I'm excited to introduce to you someone who I was actually supposed to introduce to you last week. Um, little funny story here. We hired Andrew last week and forgot to tell anyone. Um, <clears throat> all of you know Andrew and Ashley and Reed and Maggie. You can't miss them. We love them. They've been with us now um, for a couple of months, and we've taken a really um, kind of slow pace at this hiring process. It's a part-time job. It's 10 hours a week. Andrew works for Barnhart Crane, um, and then he gives about 10 hours a week toward planning services and, and, and helping with details but last week was officially the first Sunday that Andrew started, and we had so much going on, commissioning missional communities and uh, a lot of announcements. And Andrew, at the end of the day, texted me and said, did I miss something? And I said, yeah, you're so much a part of the family, we forgot to tell everyone that you're official. So you are um, officially our new music leader, and we're really super excited about that. I don't know how many years I've known Andrew, maybe 10 years, and um, our story goes way back. I met him when I was helping plant a church called High Point, and he started coming around and um, saw him again uh, intermittently throughout that, maybe one of the last meaningful times. I remember uh, connecting with you was at a funeral for a mutual friend of ours uh, who had overdosed, and I'd done the funeral, and Andrew was coming off some hard times, and we connected I think Ashley was with you then, just after the graveside service. And um, I've just seen God's grace all over Andrew's life. I hope you'll hear that today. And I hope you'll be reminded that as much as we sing of the cross and of Jesus' resurrection, and we celebrate all who Jesus is and what he has done, there's a temptation for us to, to be grateful for his grace, but to see it as something that's in the past. And I'm just reminded that each of us need his grace not just in the past, but we need His grace today. And we'll need His grace for the future. And there is great grace through Jesus. And so what I want to do today is just uh, pray and then hand the mic to Andrew and, and let him um, share with you God's story of amazing grace in his life. And I hope that you will see that uh, as amazing as Andrew is, as a singer and as a musician, and as fun of a guy as he is to hang out with, Jesus is truly the hero of his story, and we want to celebrate Jesus. So let's pray. Father, we come to you today saying that we love you, calling you holy because you are high above and you are set apart, and there was no one like you, God, no one. And God, we acknowledge that. God, with, with we look to you, we lift our voices to you, and we call you holy. We call you the one who is um, separate. But yet you've come near, and you've shown us grace, and you've shown us mercy. And God, I'm reminded that even today, there are many individuals who are here who need a great physician. Not a medical doctor, but a spiritual doctor. God, that we need your grace even in our lives today. So might, God, we pray by your mercy that your grace would flow. Uh, through Andrew's story, Holy Spirit, as you use it to impact our lives, to remind us of the redemption that many of us have received. And for those who are here who don't know the forgiveness that you offer Jesus, I pray that today that they would hear a real live story of how amazing you are. 
It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, there's a lot of things I guess I, uh, I could talk about. My dad has told me numerous times, uh, you should really write a book. <laughs> and uh, I won't, but um, to kind of keep things uh, short today, I, I just want to tell you, like, like Brad said, just about God's goodness, because that's really what this is all about. And it's not about anything that I have done. It, it's um, Thankfully, God has chosen to show grace to me. I, I don't know why, but he has, and um, I'm so thankful for that. Can everybody hear me okay? It's kind of hard to tell back here. Um, so I'm from Memphis, and uh, we grew up out uh, East Memphis. And uh, let's see, when, when I was about 14, moved to DeSoto County and uh, finished out middle school and high school down there. And I've always been in church my whole life, and uh, my parents were very faithful to have us plugged in somewhere at all times. And I may not have liked it. Um, in fact, I didn't like it, but... Uh, uh, that's just what we were used to growing up, and um, oh wow, I'm glad we're not back 15 feet. Anyway, um, so yeah, we uh, we were always in in church, and like I said, my, my mom and dad were very faithful to to teach us about the gospel, to to lead us that direction. And uh, unfortunately, some some kids don't follow that that way; uh, they go their own uh, direction for a time. And um, but I do believe God is faithful to families, uh, to his covenants. Um, so I'll get back to that in a moment. But uh, as I got to be, uh, I guess, about 12, uh, I got interested in music and playing guitar and so forth. And and so I asked for a guitar, and Dad got me a guitar one year. We always had one growing up in the house, and I always just, you know, would every now and then pick it up, but it was nothing serious. And I wanted to be able to play like Jimi Hendrix right right then, you know, just but that doesn't happen. Eventually, I got one and um, began to fool around with it and started to really be interested in it and started listening to a lot of music. And uh, I have my dad to thank for that, I think, too, because uh, he always uh, had some good classic rock around the house and records and stuff. And um, I know every Eagles song by heart, I can tell you that, um, for better or worse. And uh, so anyway, um, music became a passion for me. That probably would say it was my passion. I did play sports a lot growing up, but um, that kind of fizzled out when I got to be a, in middle school. Um, my curiosity about music, creativity, art, and so forth kind of uh, lent towards a, a, a drug-infused culture of sorts. And, um, you know, I, I, that, uh, like I said, I could talk a long time about stories and, and things that happened, but... The short of it is that uh, I got involved with things I shouldn't have at a young age and uh, what seemed to be innocent um, at a, as, a, as a 13, 14 year old smoking marijuana. You don't ever think that that's going to lead you down to being 22 and addicted to heroin. But unfortunately, that's what happened. Um, but you don't think those things will happen when you're so young. But uh, anyhow, the. Uh, the church was not anything I was interested in um, past the youth group, I would say. And uh, I kind of decided that I wanted to go my own direction um, with the music and not just playing music. I became obsessed with live music, uh, jam bands, <laughs> following bands around and 
that whole culture, uh, which every bit of that was uh, involved with drugs and heavily. And I thought that I'd found a like-minded crew of people and friends, and I did not want to let that go because these people liked what I liked. They did what I did, and I didn't feel so bad about it. The whole time I'm running away from God and didn't look at it that way, but that was the reality. As high school went on, I lost interest in sports. I had played baseball and, and basketball my whole life, and I remember my dad uh, at one point kind of getting really upset about that because that's what we did. You know, I played baseball. I loved it. And I lost interest, and that's okay to lose interest in sports, I believe, but, you know, my substitute was not necessarily a healthy one. And uh, I continued down the wrong path. And um, like I told you before, we moved from, from Memphis to, to – uh, South Haven when I was about 14 and I never that never sat well with me and my friends were here and so I did everything I could to be here you know to be with my old friends to do what they did um, to pretend in my mind that I still lived here and still was a part of town and even though really it wasn't far it's just uh, in my mind I, I felt like I was supposed to be here and became a very good uh, pretender in different ways and um you know, at some point in high school, I became very, uh, I guess you could say, stricken with anxiety. Um, I was, I guess you could ask my parents if, if I was a, if I kept to myself as a child, I think I was pretty outgoing as a young child. But as the drug use and stuff started, I think I kind of closed up a bit in school, especially I didn't really talk to anybody. And um, anxiety became an issue for me. And like I said, I had this, I was growing this group of friends that were like-minded back here in town. And we loved music and we loved to get high, frankly. Um, and so that's what I wanted to live. That was my reality. It, it wasn't necessarily where I was. It was where I wanted to be. Um, and so as I got older in high school, uh, 17, 18 years old, I, I, I used pretty much all the drugs that somebody would use at a younger age. I went from marijuana to psychedelic drugs and, um, you know, ecstasy, all that kind of stuff. Um, at a pretty young age, and cocaine use started when I was about 18 years old, and throughout my senior year of high school, I, I saw not that long ago uh, one of my teachers post a Facebook photo of my senior class, and I was just disgusted when I saw myself, because I was like, who is this guy? Like, I look like a ghost, you know, I was, uh, I was an addict in high school. And it was, vis it was very visible, and I guess I didn't at the time think it was that big of a deal, but it was. And this whole time, like I said, we I only went to church because my mom and dad would ask me to occasionally, and I would go because I still lived there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, their house, their rules type deal. Um, I fell asleep most of the time. Uh, for a time, they went to High Point. Um, when I, got, I guess I was about 21 or so, around 2005-ish. They were going to High Point uh, regularly. That's when I met Brad. and um, I did meet Brad, whether you remember it or not, Brad. It was a, For me, it was a very bad time in my life. But we officially met one Sunday, and um, I don't know why I remember that. I guess it's a good thing I do. But um, backing up just a little bit, um, after high school, um, I went out on the road a few times, and um, did all the things I thought I was wanting to do with the music and the, the bands and the concerts, festivals, etc. And uh, things got worse for me, obviously. Running from God and using drugs as much as I could. And uh, what was once, like I said, an innocent thing uh, became a serious addiction 
um, when I was 21 or 22, um, I had a girlfriend that broke up with me, and we were kind of attached in an unhealthy way to one another for a while. And so I kind of went in this, this downward spiral of depression and anxiety, and mom and dad took me to the doctor because we thought I had this severe anxiety problem and depression because of my response to the situation. What they didn't know was Andrew had been using heroin um, to cope with this, uh, this issue. And the side effects of that are depression and anxiety and uh, aches and pains and not wanting to do anything. And so um, they didn't know that at the time, but that was what was going on. And uh, I began stealing a lot, um, stealing a lot of money from my family, um, stealing uh, from people that I knew, friends, whatever, um, because it went from zero to infinity as soon as I got on that stuff, you know. Um, there wasn't, um, well, I'll just do a little bit here. It was, no, I'm going to do as much as I can get, and I'm going to do what I have to do to get it. Um, so um, there came a day when Mom and Dad realized I'd been stealing a lot of money from them and was literally cornered in a bedroom at, at our house and and said, what you, what's going on? You know, what what is it? I remember my mom asking me, is it, is it this? Is it that? Is it this? And she'd never once said what, what it really was. It's like, it didn't really enter into anyone's mind that Andrew could be on heroin, but that was what was going on. And I admitted as much that I was. <clears throat> and um, so we knew we had to do something to get help. And uh, I've got a time, timer running right here, by the way, Brad, so I don't go over. Um at that point, uh, I think I just kind of threw my hands up, so to speak, to say, I know I need help. Uh, I've done everything that I wanted to do up to this point, and look where it got me, you know. Um, so we agreed to go to treatment uh, on recommendation of Brad Dunlap, uh, the place that I actually went. And I didn't know this until recently, but uh, I'm very thankful you gave that suggestion to my mom and dad, and I went down to a treatment facility down in southern Mississippi. Chunky, to be exact. If anybody heard of Chunky, Mississippi? Nobody? Okay, one person. Um, and that's where I met Jesus. Um, not to be cliche, but that is exactly what happened. Um, I think, I, uh, well, it was March the 1st, 2006, when I got into this place, and this is a Christian facility um, more like a commune sort of deal. <laughs> I think at one point it actually was a commune, but it was a good place. It was a good ministry. It was uh, for people with addictions, uh, men with addictions that were trying to get out. And that's where God had me. So March the 1st, 2006, I walked in there and thought, what have I got myself into? Where am I and why am I here? The sickness started to take hold of my withdrawals and so forth. And Two days later, uh, March the 3rd, 2006, there was a an altar call, a good old-fashioned Baptist altar call. And um, one of the beliefs that I hold dearly about God's grace and the doctrines thereof, I know to be true because of my experience. You know, God pursued me. I didn't reach out to him. I ran as fast and as hard as I could from him. And he got me uh, that night um, at that altar call. I, it was almost as if uh, 
um, some sort of, uh, well, really God's hands moving me to that altar. And uh, there I confessed my need for him, and I was able to see clearly what my sin was and what it had become, what I had become, and my great need for a Savior. In that moment, I confessed that to the Lord and, and asked Jesus to forgive me and committed myself to him. And I've heard people say uh, when giving testimony, and it may be true uh, for some, that there's no special feeling when you give your life to Jesus. But I felt it. And it was real. Uh, I felt uh, the weight of everything that I had lived up to that point lifted off of my shoulders and my head and my me, lifted off of me. And uh, I was forgiven, and I knew it. And uh, so I was there for six months, and six months was uh, exactly what I needed to uh, get to know the Lord better, to fall in love with the Scripture, um, to learn how to study the Bible. My dad discipled me through letters and phone calls on how to study the Bible. Um, I fell in love with the Psalms, you know, the great songbook of the Bible. If you guys have noticed, I like to use Psalms a lot on Sundays and um, because they're beautiful songs of, of who God is and, and what he has done and how he's rescued us. And so um, I came out of that rehab facility years later, or excuse me, months later, and, um, you know, I remember seeing my grandfather um, and he like didn't recognize me almost, and uh, <clears throat> it was just amazing to see him because he had had uh, <clears throat> he'd had such a uh, influence on me. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> anyway, so um, one thing that they don't prepare you for. <laughs> in seclusion for six months is how to get back into the real world. And I was not ready for that. I had begun my relationship with Jesus. Uh, I was a believer, and I was a Christ follower. I knew that. But I was not ready to go back into the real world. Um, I don't fault the place that I was for that. It's just how it was. And it, wasn't, it didn't take long for me to start messing up. I wasn't ready to quite let go of, of that, that high that I had chased for so long. <clears throat> and so I did. I messed up plenty over the years from about 2000, what was that, 6, 2006 to about 2011. I messed up plenty over the years. Um, but like I said, God pursued me. He never let go of me. Um, I ran and ran, but I was one of his at that point. And like we just sang, uh, no power of hell no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. And I felt that, and I, and I knew he was doing that. There was many times when I said, God, would you just leave me alone? Let me do what I want. I don't want you protecting me. I don't want you helping me. But he wouldn't because he doesn't do that. When we belong to him, we are his, and that's it. There's nothing else. Um, and so I met uh, in... Uh, I guess it was the summer of 2007, my lovely wife uh, at church. In the meantime, I had begun uh, leading worship a little bit in the college group at our church down in Olive Branch and met Ashley there and 
2007, and we began to date then, and she was with me the whole time through these years of relapse and hurt and pain. And she never left. Um, she could have. You could argue that she should have, uh, but she never did. And uh, I tried to run from her, too, at times, but that didn't work either, thankfully. Um, and so about 2011, um, my relapse has caught up to me pretty badly. Our in-laws were living with us. They were building a house and uh, living with us in the meantime. There was a lot of money in my house that wasn't mine, and I knew it. And I decided when I was, I was in a treatment center, by the way, uh, but I was home for the weekend. It was a local treatment center. This was my second one now. Um, I decided that I was ready to go have one more go. And I took a lot of money, and I took my wife's car, and I hit the road. I won't tell you the whole story, but I ended up in West Virginia and then came back to Nashville where I was kindly met by U.S. Marshals. God bless them. Uh, wasn't happy to see them, but they were there. I uh, thought I was meeting my wife, but um, thankfully God moved her in such a way that she let them pick me up instead. So I went to jail for a while. And uh, basically I was charged with grand larceny, um, stealing money from my family to get high and to go on this last hurrah. And sat in jail not knowing what was going to happen. Not long after that... Um, I hear from my wife, somehow she figured out how to get in touch with me or me with her, and she says, I'm pregnant. <laughs> when I was in jail, <laughs> I heard that, and uh, we didn't know what was going to happen at that point. We didn't know where I was going to go. I basically was looking at 10 years in prison, and we didn't know what was going to happen. So a lot of pain happened there in that jail. Um, you know, God brought me to a very low, well, I brought myself to a very low place, scrubbing toilets in a jail cell, not knowing where I was going to go, found out my wife is pregnant, and that child may never have a dad. Uh, but God had different plans. And uh, through some miraculous circumstances, you could say, I, I was able to get involved with the, the drug court program, and this was 2011. And I didn't have to serve any time other than what I had already served. I had to go to another 30 days of rehab, and that was a good thing for me. It was for the first time I actually cared to be there. And I learned a whole lot about um, Andrew and his lack of self-control and his obsession with feeling okay. You know, I said I had a lot, a lot of anxiety in my life, and addiction and drugs seemed to make me feel okay and comfortable with who I was. But I learned that uh, God had different plans, like I said, and he never stopped chasing me and never stopped pursuing me. So for three years, I was out of um, jail, but I was in this program where I had uh, very, very strict guidelines of recovery meetings, 10 o'clock curfew. Uh, I had to pay a lot of money, um, but uh, miraculously enough, some of that actually came back to us. Uh, that's another story, but um, I, I fast forward a little bit. Um, we, we did have my son, who's sitting right up here, Reed, and, uh, and so he's here. And, and he was the biggest blessing uh, ever for us at the time, especially because we didn't know 
what was going to happen. And, and eventually we had little Maggie over here as well. And um, my family and my children, my wife, um, ultimately Jesus, uh, they, they all saved my life. And uh, I wouldn't be here um, were it not for all that. Um, so I, I finished that program. Um, you know, when was that, Ashley? When did I finish drug court? I don't know, but it was a great day. It was a very good day. I, I Lots to celebrate then. As of July the 18th this year, I've been completely clean for five years. And that's a... Thank you. So it does feel good um, to be here. Uh, we, like Brad said, we had met several times over the years and had this indirect communication, but direct at the same time. There was actually a time when he had asked me to come to Mercy Hill, sort of, uh, and it didn't work out, but that's because that wasn't what God had planned. Um, and there's a lot of great things that have happened between now and the time that I just left off. But but all that to say, uh, I'm just one person that God has done this for. There's many others here that I know God has done as much for, if not more. Um, as we sang earlier, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's what we do. You know, it doesn't matter if you never had a drug problem, if you've never you know, had any sort of addiction or stealing issues. It doesn't matter. I mean, we're all sinners. We all wander from Lord. But he pursues us. And his grace uh, pursues me continually and you, you know. That's what I want people to hear more than anything. This is a story of God's goodness, of his provision, uh, of his amazing grace in my life. Um, my family and I, we have a better relationship than we've ever had. Uh, my, I would say the same for my wife and my children, uh, my siblings. Um, I'm very close with the sheriff. Uh, we're, I, just FYI, we were close before that, sort of. But anyway, um, and then Brad reached out to me several months back, and, and we had left a church that I'd been a full-time minister at. Um, and it didn't work out there, unfortunately, but um, God had some things he wanted to do in our lives, and one of those things was to teach us um, through a bad situation with a church, what was the thing? What were the things that were most important to us in a church? What are the things that we hold dearly, uh, our convictions, in a church? Uh, we were able to discover those through a, a hard situation and an older one. And then we heard from Brad a few months ago, and he said, "Hey." Uh, um, our music guy is going to be moving, and I'd love to talk to you. And We had been in, um, serving at another church in the kind of interim period, but it, we didn't quite feel that that was the place to, to, to lay the roots, if you will, and, and it wasn't. And, and God uh, made that clear after meeting with Brad several times and over a long stretch of time, which was a good thing, um, that all those things that I literally had listed uh, as important to us as a church— things that we felt we needed um, in a church family and, and that we could give back to a church. Um, we have found those here at Mercy Hill, um, and we have found uh, a much different experience than what we are used to in a church, and I mean that in the best way possible. Uh, I will brag on you guys all day because this church, um, 
I don't think I've ever been, a, I don't, this is an honest confession to you, I don't think I've ever been a part of a church that has a more authentic, loving group of individuals in it um, that are true to the gospel and its mission, that love the unloved, uh, that reach the unreached. Um, we have never seen that before. So, so thank you for being who you are. Um, we feel at home here. We know that God has orchestrated these things in his sovereignty as he does. Uh, every aspect of our lives, God is in control of. And so we're glad to be here. Um, so thank you for letting me share with you guys a little bit. Um, Brad, what's next? I don't want to leave the Bible totally out of this story. So I did want to share a couple things with you that I marked this morning as I was uh, getting ready for this. Um, Like I said, I do love the Psalms, and I wanted to read a little bit out of Psalm 118 if I could. I'm just going to skip a little bit here and there through it. Psalm 118 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Verses 5 and 6 say, Out of my distress, I called to the Lord. The Lord answered me, and he set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Verse 14 says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Verse 17 says, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. And verse 21 says, I thank you that you have answered me. And have become my salvation. And those those verses in the Psalms really just kind of echo what I have been sharing with you guys. And uh, one more passage I'll share, and then I'll stop. But uh, this passage, as I've um, fallen more in love with with worship and leading worship, because this is all about Jesus. This is all about the gospel. This is what we're here for. Is all about Him. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore... We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness 